0: Welcome to the Revive Network podcast. On this episode, we bring you a message from the archives of our Refresh Leaders Forum. Wonderful. How are you doing? You okay? It's good to be here, isn't it? I feel Jesus. Right now, I just want to lie on the floor. He's here. So I might not last that long, stood up that seems strange to you that's alright I am strange Um. you know in Wesley's day they used to say men lay thunderstruck by the power of God (laughs) growl at someone near you and say you know it's time to get thunderstruck again (laughs) we're not being modern and weird we're being properly old fashioned a few more thunderstruck pastors and we might just have revival on our hands right anybody with me so my name's Jared, Jared Cooper, and um, I lead Revive Church in Hull, and Chris develops our network, and Jonathan Lamia uh developing a, a location. We're an eight-site, multi-site church, so a location, a little place called Cottingham. And um, who else we got? Cottingham. I don't know. It just went through my mind. Nodding, nodding, hell. Deen, dee, dee. Showing how old I am. Born in the 70s. We've got a few of the uh, guys around from Revive. Thank you so much for letting us come here and organizing it. Uh, we really appreciate it to be in this lovely Catholic building that isn't Catholic. I just looked at it and went, this is Catholic 1970s. Catholic we're all Catholics you know theologically we're all Catholics aren't we not Roman Catholics not Roman Catholics but we're you know in that sense that we're all the the universal church but it's it's lovely and I just feel Jesus in here and so I've completely changed what I was going to do is that all right so we're just going to flow with it why not more fun listening to God than me isn't it uh, that's what I figure anyway. So, uh, so we, we run these monthly Refresh Leaders Forums, and they're often in places like uh, Rotherham and, and Hull and Goul and um, Havercroft, is near Wakefield, and we kind of move them around. And, and uh, we've got a network, and, and some of the guys here are in that network, but you don't have to be in the network to be here. We just like hanging out with family, so it's just great to to come and hang out together and it's called refresh because we don't tend to do nuts and bolts too much in these sessions I just figure leaders need a bit of refreshing and a bit of you're doing all right do you know what I mean and if you're having a rubbish week don't worry we all have rubbish weeks right if, if you're just having those one, of, one of those weeks when you just want to shoot your church, come on, be honest. You love them sometimes, but some other times you just want to line them up and shoot them. So you don't have to counsel them anymore. Maybe we should do that. Get them saved, shoot them, and there's no counseling. No need for pastor or ministry. We could all just be evangelists, Dave. We could all just be evangelists. And... Um, so, because who knows, church leadership can be delightful, but it can also be dreadful as well. You know, so if you'll have one of those weeks, you're in the right place. You're in a place where we talk about leadership in a real way, okay? We all know that no church is as good as its website. No church is as not even Hillsong, not even I know some of the I know some of the inside story, not even the, the big boys. The same things that go on in, in your church of thirty people go on in Hillsong. Uh and I know that as a fact because um, I, I, when I was 19, I always thought, I want to be Brian Houston, do you know what I mean, to be, I nearly thought of changing the church name from, you know, to Hull Song in Hull, because we could, <laughs> I thought that if we did the snazzy logo and polished up our website a bit more, we get a few more people, you know what I mean, but anyway, the board went against me on that one, but you know, um, just ch- church is tough, and you're going to have, seasons when you're delighting in it and seasons when it depresses you and you look know, anybody can lead for three years do you know what i mean you barely started uh, but if you're going to go 10 20 30 years plus and you're going to hit some tough years aren't you so it's good to have friends that go oh no i know what that's like do you know what i mean and uh, uh, we've been through betrayal like half the people in the room will have been through and when i was going through particularly bad when i con- vicky and i contacted loads of our minister friends and we realized they'd all been through it do you know what i mean and uh, so so church, church, church leadership isn't hard, but it is complex. It's unusual. It, it, the skill side isn't the hard bit. Um, the emotional complexity of church leadership that you're – a doctor can say next, but you you kind of see people, and then you have to love them through every, you know, They expect a hug after their consultation, right? And you've got to be a family of the friend. Uh, an employer – of fire someone only in church do you fire someone and then go so how can we help you pastorally through this time of unemployment you know it's an unusual environment and so it's complex and um so if if you're going through a hard time which could be anyone in the room at any one time and you're just you wake up in the middle of the night thinking am i doing it right um well we all get like that don't we i was saying about hillsong I always thought it would be great to be Brian Houston. Do you know what I mean? Awesome church. And then I got to be close to him like Chris is to me at one point in a Q&A session. I looked at him and went, good heavens, you look knackered. Do you look stressed. Do you look? I do not want to be Brian Houston. Do you know what I mean? When you get up close and the makeup's taken off and all that. And so it's pretty much the same for all of us. So I'm just feeling something a little bit prophetic this morning. Is that okay? And, and I just, just in the worship, I just felt uh, this this line come from heaven, that God wants to open wells and he wants to open windows. Um, and I just think there's something prophetic going on. Wells, was it the Philistines that came in and filled in wells as a kind of a... See, if you if you fill in the wells, if you ruin the sustenance of a of a of a person, of a land, you stop their ability to to, to flourish. Um, Isaiah forty three, the prophets are saying it's a time when something new is happening. And um, in Isaiah, it is forty three, isn't it? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you perceive it? You know, just help me. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. Okay, you're leaders, so I'm expecting you to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Is that okay? I'm not doing a tidy teach. We're going to have some fun. I'll throw the odd bit of heresy at you just to make sure you're awake. Just, right. um, and he said, I, I, will make, I will make a way in the wilderness. In other words, and this is something that God is doing. The prophets around the world are saying right now, we're entering not just a new season, but a new era right now. And it, in Isaiah 43, it says, do you not perceive it? In other words, seeing it is how you enter it. If you don't see it, you won't enter it. Some of us are so head down in our leadership and busy scurrying around doing all the stuff uh, and we end up serving this machine. The unintended consequence of success is you serve this machine called church rather than do the thing that really stirred your heart at the beginning. Anybody ever been there, right? And your head can end up down and you don't see what God is doing. You're too busy just running to the next sermon you've got to prepare and the next person you've got to see and the next project you've got to run. God save us from projects, amen. Um, It says, do you not perceive it? We've got to be able to perceive it. And and there's these two lines. I am making a way in the wilderness. In other words, I believe in this season, because I'm taking that out of Isaiah and I'm applying it to us today, because many prophets around the world are proclaiming this. I'm making a way in the desert. In other words, you're going to be able to go to places that people haven't been able to go to before. And then it says, I'm making streams in the desert. In other words, I am making the desert so it can sustain you. A place that was uninhabitable before is now going to become habitable. There's been areas and realms. And this, I believe, is for this place too. I think there's something in this message for you as a church. There's something for this area. And I wasn't expecting to do this, but we'll just flow with it. Is that okay? Um, That there's places where the church has not been able to go. But he says, if I put a stream there, when you get there, you can sustain yourself. You can grow crops. You can live. They're coming to a season. Uh, There is a season change going on right now. I've I've wrote down some of the, the things that God is doing right now in this. This season, let me just read them out to you. with my glasses? Can't see the thing. Do you, do you not perceive it? i got to clean your clean your glasses. Okay, ca- catch if you if you catch this. Um, we're entering a new era as, as we as we enter 2020. It's not just a new a new year. There's a new decade thing going on. There's a new era going on. The last era we thought about unity. In the new era, we're going to think about collaboration which is a higher level. You know? We used to think if we, if we get together in the same room and we sing the same songs, we'll call that unity. You know, event-based unity isn't unity. You know, as a friend of mine that was involved in the whole Together for the Kingdom back in the 80s said, well, we weren't together and it wasn't the kingdom. But we all got in rooms together and sang together. That's good. But the higher level is we begin to collaborate and not care who gets the praise. That's where the church is going. Genuine kingdom thinking where sometimes we're planting churches and, you know, and and where's AD gone? You know, AD and I are like, well, we don't know if it's a liberty thing or a revival thing. Who cares? We just want to take ground together as friends. We used to talk about over and under with authority. Can we forget all that? It's putting some people off. Can't we talk about friends? Can't we talk about mutual submission? Who's in charge? The apostle, the prophet. The evangelist, the pastor, or the teacher. Who cares? It depends what you're doing. When you're pastoring, the apostle takes a second seat to the pastor because you're the specialist. How's about we start working as family? We're entering a new level of collaboration when we can put some of our egos down and get on and get the job done, right? Oh, somebody grunt at me. So we're going from unity to collaboration. We're going from a stage of formation and God building the church to a stage of establishment and God filling the church with his glory. That's something that's going on in this season. Um, we going from from pausing and learning and waiting there's a season of acceleration coming on the church anybody ready for that anybody felt you've been held back like a catapult and you go god we seem to be going backwards and god says well the further back i can take you the further i can send you that's what preparation is all about you've not been missing it you've been waiting for it and he's been pulling us back there's some things that god only does in the dark anybody with me he's made me like a polished arrow then right i'm ready to go now and god says no then i'm I put you in my quiver because there's some things I can only do in the dark. So if you've been in the dark waiting season well welcome to welcome to the club if you enjoyed 2019 you're very strange most people found it really tough okay be be really blessed that God put you in some greenhouse of blessing if 2019 was good for you for most of us it was tough waiting and preparation for some it was just plain old boring but let me tell you God is preparing to accelerate us into some stuff in the last era we've been used to the still small voice of God let me tell you when when John ascended in Revelation 4 into the place of the of the spirit and the place of the throne of God, the voice that's a still small voice became a voice like a trumpet. We're coming into a season of the amplified voice of God, the clarified vision of God. There's, a, there's an entering of a new school of the Holy Spirit going on right now. Some of us haven't really grown up prophetically since the 1990s. Do you know what I mean? We're still just dishing out little prophetic words about doves and flags and sparrows and things like that. Well, actually, I don't know about you, I need details. I need times and dates and places and do this and don't do that. Go to the place called... Straight street. There's a guy called Simon there who's also called this. And we want details because the plans of God are being downloaded. And leaders in this room, God is lifting us into the strategy rooms of heaven, and we need to start giving time to that. Some of us got so engrossed in, listen, if you are a leader, you are not meant to have your head down in work. You're meant to have your head up in the work of leadership, which is the ability to stand on the ramparts and see so that we can navigate. If leaders are doing all the the work you're missing it if you're making your leader do all the work you're going to miss it as a church somebody somewhere has to get up on the ramparts you see when the growth always brings grumbling anybody know that right Acts chapter 6 the church is growing you end up with all the grumbling of the Grecian Jews because the widows aren't getting the distribution of food and so they come with a problem to the apostles and the apostles do what is a really wise thing but to be honest they could have done something else because they're asked we need to distribute this food better Now, there's a load of lovely, nice, kind English (laughs) leaders that will go, oh, we'll help with the distribution of food. It's it's a time to prove that we're servant-hearted leaders, and we get our noses down into the busyness of work because there's a bit of our hearts. No, it is, in a sense, a noble and right thing to do, but the long-term effect of that is we no longer have our heads up in the presence of God, say, okay, church, this is the way we're going. See, we're not leading, we're just working. And it's the unintended consequence of a, of a wrong sense of what it is to be servant-hearted. Lots of people start out in ministry, and they do something that they're good at, and they get so busy doing it that actually... The unintended consequences, they live their life doing that thing instead of doing what the apostles did. There's a growth stage when you go, we cannot do that work anymore. We must give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. In other words, we've, if somebody in this house has got to be speaking clearly and pointing clearly, amen? And so we're coming to a place when we really need to get our heads up into the trumpet voice of heaven and the clear rooms of heaven. Um, huh, huh, we're moving from denominationalism to apostolic tribes, little tribes of people that actually know each other. Do you know what I mean? Uh, if you don't have the phone number of of you, who, whatever apostle you connect with, you're probably not really connected to an apostle. That's the way I put it, just to irritate people, just to make them think about it. you have actually got to have relationships. Somebody somewhere? Um, Here's a danger. We are in a stage when we can either choose to be experts in the past or we can become learners again in the new. And I don't know about you. I've been in in ministry 30 years. I've been going to church 50 years. Can you believe? Well, well, I went in the womb, didn't I, mum? So, you know, my my, my mum's there, so... I've gone to thousands of church services and some of you look like you've been to thousands of church services too. Let's not go there. Um, who who knows? We get used to feeling like we know what we do and giving off the air of capability. It's very hard to go into what we're going to do next. I don't quite know. I mean, God keeps doing this to me. Where he's like, I'm not going to tell you what to preach. Just stand up and note in your mouth. It's scary. We try it this Sunday. What if you actually spoke from your heart? instead of from your notes. Do you know run sheets, run more church services than the Holy Spirit does today? I just wonder what revival might break out if we weren't so locked into our notes. Now I know you've got to reach a certain capability of, capability of a sense of strength because heard, I've heard plenty of people talk without notes and it's awful sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> and you go, no, he notes. <laughs> he can't string a sentence together. But do you know that Of the fivefold ministries, the prophetic one is the one that is God facing. The pastor's people facing. The the teacher is word facing. The the evangelist is lost facing. Doesn't even know why we're all sat here, you know, wasting our time singing songs when we need to go and get the lost saved, right? The apostle thinks of the great strategy of God. The prophet, and therefore the prophetic side of us, because we've all got a prophetic side, Acts 2, all of us, young and old that knows what it is to flow rather than live in the Greek thinking, lock it all down, principle upon principle side. There's an electricity of heaven that comes when we get the God-facing part of us awakened. God can begin, yeah. begin to move. And so are, are you willing to get the L plates back on again again, go, okay, okay God, what, what if actually this really did become a very exciting decade? As we started to adventure and we started to think about some, some new things. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's what God is doing in this season. But in order for him to, in order for us to step fully into that, I, I just feel in the room today, there's two things that God wants to do. Uh, and, and I think it's for people in this room, if that's okay with you. Um, I believe he wants to unblock the wells that the enemy has been filling in. And, uh, If you're tired, if the dust and the dung of life and flesh, Philistines represent the flesh in the Bible, don't they? So it might not be the enemy. It might just be poor choices on our our part, poor priorities. You know what I mean? If our wells of sustenance get filled up, well, I just believe coming in here today, God just said, unblock some wells. And then I believe he said, and it's time to open some windows. Some of you in this room, I believe that in the next 35 minutes, there's, we're going to ask for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this room that will accelerate and amplify the prophetic anointing on many of your lives. It's time to go buy a new journal. It's time to start hearing the voice of God at a new level. Why? Because there's strategies that are being downloaded and he wants to get you in the, in, the, in the war rooms of heaven and open up some scrolls and go, okay, so here's, I've not taken you to this. You know how you can look at one bit of a scroll, then you slide other bits over? God's wanting to get you by the table and go, right, come on. And then there's this. And you're like, whoa. And God is wanting to release new vision and new strategy and and new details from heaven. So I'm going to pray that in the next little while, the Spirit of God unblocks some of those internal wells so the streams of living water can flow again. (sighs) You know, the greatest thing a leader needs is personal revival. I tell our staff, you're not here employed for skills. You are here for the atmosphere you deliver to the church if you can't sustain your fire, I don't care whether you do accounting well or not. Ultimately, I want to know, do you sit there ablaze with the sense of heaven? And we've sometimes got to remind our staff, even though you don't quite know where to put it in the contract and the job description, you've got to remind them you're here for atmosphere. People carry atmosphere. You got a stream. I got a stream. We all got a stream. When our streams get together, you get the river of God moving in a place, right? So we've got to have our streams flowing. I mean, we've got to be like Peter, that there's a zone around about us. There's an atmosphere where, where you stand in a church service affects eight, nine, a dozen people around about you. When you worship, they start worshiping. Why? Because you've got a zone going on. There's something around you. Huh. So, I'm blocking the wells. And this is what I feel the enemy has been filling the wells of our intimacy. I just—I believe there's been a demonic attack on some people in the room to wear you down, to tie you out, and to distract you. So, we're going to take on the enemy this morning. Yeah. And I, I just believe, he's saying, I want you to unblock wells with praise and with worship and with songs. I just believe there's an updraft coming. I could feel it in the room. There's somewhat stirring. There's an updraft of worship that pushes back the enemy. Uh, currently, in our in our own church, we've been we've been feeling prophetically that we need to pray more. And uh, you know what it's like in church life. You know, I didn't, let's say in our in our biggest location, I don't know, we've got two or three hundred people there. And I know I can nag them. I can do a series on prayer for eight weeks. And I'll do well to get, I don't know, 80 of them. I'd be over the moon if 80 of them turned up to a prayer meeting on a Thursday night. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what your church is like. Ours is a commuter church. People are getting in late. There's legitimate reasons why people won't come. I'm not saying it's illegitimate. Some of it is laziness, let's be honest. But some of it is just we're busier than we've ever been. Isn't that right? So you're there and you're going, well, 300 people here and I'll be happy for 80 to turn up. That's not good enough. That won't create a church culture do so you know what we've started to do we have an hour-long service then we let the guests go for a coffee and if you brought a guest go and have a coffee but as a church we're going to pray for half an hour like a spirit-filled church prays i don't mean we're going to sit in shampoo position and listen to each other i mean we're going to do like the book of Acts. we're going to raise you know shampoo position and we go snoring in tongues you know no we're going to raise our voices together like they did in the book of Acts to the point where the room shakes with the presence of God coming isn't it we've called it fierce isn't it time we get a bit fierce I mean Jesus said it's the violent that are entering and grabbing a hold of the kingdom we've got to let our fervency go and not 10 or 20 percent of the church on a Tuesday night do all that it's all good but we somehow got to get hold of The entire church and say, come on, church, we're never going to have revival unless we take prayer seriously. And I'm not saying to do that as a pattern, but for us, it kind of works with sort of church that built up to that kind of pattern working. But somehow we need to pray and sing because we're the only army that fights with our songs. Right? Right? Psalm 8 says, out of the mouths of, of children, you have ordained praise to silence the enemy. Have you ever thought that actually the enemy is more scared of the singing going on in Sunday school than the adult singing? Don't make them sing Father Abraham. Let them worship. Let them engage because they're innocent singing that, that where they're devoid of all the kind of sophistication of the grown-ups. I'm sure the devil walks past sometimes just going, bunch of Pharisees, all a bit proud and egotistical. And then he comes across Sunday school where they're just innocently going, Jesus, I love you. And the devil is terrified of it because they simply trust and simply sing. And Wow, if we unleashed our children to worship. And then if our worship became childlike, if the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of us, Romans 8, and the Abba Father started to come out, instead of polite proud, Michael, the wife of David. Oh, don't know if I'm going to do that. How's about we truly worship like David? How's about being more undignified than this? I feel like some churches have gone backwards since the 80s. Do you remember the 80s when we all used to dance like this? Come on, someone in the room. Rejoice, rejoice, Christ is in you, the hope of glory in our hearts. You know, anybody remember the little two-step? And we all had the flags out, didn't we? I mean, if anybody's still got their flags out, put them away. You know, it's a long time has gone by since then. I'm not saying get stuck in... Oh, come on, let's burn them. They're ready for burning. We're stuck in the 80s. Oh, no. Look at it. Is it for kids? Is it for children? That's all right. We'll let the kids off. We want them... It's a good distraction. Bright colours. You know. At least it keeps them quiet, so that's a good reason. But when grown-ups are doing it, you say, good heavens, you've got stuck in a culture. Do you remember when we couldn't pray without a stick in our hands? Remember that in the 90s? You, could, you weren't even saved after people in the room. There was a little stage when if you didn't have a walking stick like Moses, you couldn't have a prayer meeting. And I just wonder if we've got a little bit sophisticated at the other end now. We were all a bit, all a bit used to it has about childlike passion that, that grabs a hold of our spirits. Because that's what worship does. Worship is one of the healthiest things you can do. When you're a worshiping church, your counseling situations go down. Because if you can learn to deal with the flesh in worship, you can do, learn to deal with the flesh in life. Most of counseling problems is that people are believing lies and not activating the truth. They don't know how to overcome their flesh with their spirit. They don't realize, Galatians 5, that there's a war going within them and they've got to choose it. The only difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian is choosing what to believe. We all have the same lives. None of us. I'm the pastor, and I don't want to go to church on Sunday. So I understand that half of them won't. I'm paid to go when I don't want to go. We've got to worship teaches people to go, well, just put your flesh to one side. I remember there was this one guy in church. He was a bit of a misery. Do you know what I mean? Baptised in lemon juice people. You've all got a few, haven't you? And you're like, I'm really joyful. And... He, he was, t- nothing that you advised him or encouraged him or taught him to do with regarding work. You could say anything, he'd just ignore you. was just, a, you know, a block. And then this one day I looked around and there he was, a couple of rows back on this side, arms out like this, tears streaming down his face, floods of tears. Afterwards, I, I went up to him, hey, hey, what, ha- what happened to you? He said, well, I, uh, I just thought for once I'll do what you say. And I raised my hands and I started to thank God. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just came and met me. You know, wow. <clears throat> you, you, you know this stuff, that, this stuff on praise and worship, it works. Yeah. It unblocks wells where the dull duvet of flesh has been stuffed into our well, and we sing the song, but we don't believe it. Here's, here's a sign whether your well is, is, is stuffed with flesh. If you get bored in worship, you need a revival. That's essentially it. Because when you're in love with Jesus, you can't get bored of church. Church. Because it doesn't really matter. You're so in love with Jesus. It doesn't really matter what they sing. It doesn't mean a matter what, what's going on around about you. Inside you, there's a fire going. Inside you, there's something bubbling up. There's, there's a well inside you. Streams of living water are flowing. And I don't know about you, that's where I love to be. Because I stand in my own church and I've designed the services, you could say. I stand there sometimes going, this is boring. Then I get the mirror out and I go, it's because you're boring. It's because your fire's gone. Come on. I mean, by the time you've gone to church for a few years, Sunday morning is boring, isn't it? Unless you go to give. Unless you go, because there's a point in your maturity when the polarity changes, receive, 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 receive. Then there comes a moment, and some people get stuck and backslide at this moment when they go, I'm kind of bored now. I've kind of heard every sermon pretty much that there's going to be said, And I've sung every song and it seems rather repetitive and But there comes a moment when you say, well, now the polarity changes from drawing into me to try and fix me. Now the only way to go further in God is to push out from me. And I learn as I give and I learn as I go and I learn as I bring a prophetic word and stretch into the new things of God and try out healing and try new stuff. And so there comes a moment where if you don't change the polarity, your well will be blocked with the boredom instead of realizing I am a cathedral. I've got to have something inside of me where the glory of God dwells and I can identify that and I'm not going to a meeting I am a meeting yeah. and there's something of heaven going on inside me and so I, 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 I tend to my own well so that when I turn up I'm, I'm not here to draw from 80 I'm here to go hey I just want to give to you when I give of the stream that's in me to 80 and he gives of the stream that's in him and a few others do it it's called the river of God and wherever that river goes is life. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to tend to the internal atmosphere of our lives. And, and singing silences the enemy yeah. that's been trying to come and fill. Well, um, Isaiah, oh, I don't know where it is, 33, 30-something. 30 so that gives you nine chapters to pick from. Um, Ten chapters to pick from. Um, it says, the Lord punishes his enemies to the sound of tambourines and hearts. When we make music, there's a punishing that goes on. And I just feel that there's a new place of praise coming to this city. Am I in a city? Town. Town. There's a new sound of praise and it's going to unlock the wells of individuals. And personal revival is going to take place because of corporate praise. There's something in praise and prayer and encounter that's going to begin to unlock things. And you can't, you won't ever devise this through through some kind of clever teaching discipleship course. This is an atmosphere, this is a dynamic of the Holy Spirit. And as we sing and as we worship and as we encounter God, the enemy is silenced, the wells are unblocked. Why, and I, I love this phrase, Because God is in our songs. If it's true, Psalm 22, verse three, that God dwells inhabits, and is enthroned, even the word means married in the praises of his people. Just break that down and let me say it in a rather more crude form that I know you could probably slightly pick apart, but your leaders, work with me, work with what I mean by this. You could say, God is in our songs. I haven't met God for a while. We'll sing. Our God is a lion, the lion of Judah. He's roaring in power and fighting our battles. He's in that. Something's an unblocking of a well, of a connection between between you and God going on. Haven't found God, I've been in a desert. Well, open your mouth and sing. I mean, there's another problem, isn't it? That so many people in church, you watch them in worship, they do this. Do you know when this started? When we started making worship CDs. We started to listen to worship and experience worship and critique worship. We stand in the atmosphere of worship but fail to worship. Because we drive along in our cars. Mm, mm, mm. I'm enjoying that. When actually, praise involves the opening of the mouth. Oh, God is a lion. Do you know your mouth is the only bit of you that's weaponized? If you see in Revelation a a picture of Jesus, you see three times a sword coming from his mouth. Your mouth is the weaponized bit. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Those who love it, those who understand it, those that grasp it will eat its fruit. If you want to unblock the wells, if you want to silence the enemy, sing out: Our God is a lion. There's a weapon. There's an AK-47 coming out of your mouth, so the devil wants you to experience worship instead of worship. The devil, it's a thing of curse and death to be silent in the Psalms. I don't want to go down silent to the grave. I want to sing my head off. I want to sing into heaven. I want to praise God. When they're all shouting, no, calm down, don't speak too loudly. No, I want to be, I want to be, what's his name? Blind guy. And he's shouting at Jericho. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the spirit of Michael says, oh, no, can't. I'm putting all my stories together. Come on, work with me. <laughs> You're pastors, you can do it. <laughs> the barren spirit of Michael says, no, be more respectable. What they really mean is, let ego control your worship instead of Devotion. But blind Bartimaeus knew he needed a breakthrough. So he shouted. I think there needs to be a few shouts in this house. I mean, What if Jericho had been approached by English people instead of Israelites? I, used to, I lived among some Jews and Jews, I mean, one thing about Jews is they're noisy. Thanks, mum. My mum's a Jew. No, she's not. not. (laughs) Can you imagine getting to Jericho? We would have loved the six days of silence, quietly walking around the the walls, eating our cucumber sandwiches and drinking our cups of tea, silently binding the strong man, you know. And then Pastor Joshua gets up and says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. We would have been, oh, we're not doing that. We're Anglicans. We can't do that. (laughs) Here's a great thought. Would the walls have come down if they hadn't shouted? See, Gnosticism says that your religion just, it's its its a deep experience in your heart. It doesn't have to get out to your body. Your body's just not so important. Is no, but Romans 12 says that you've got to offer your bodies as an act of, it's your spiritual act of worship. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So there is still still something today where God might, like Moses say, lift your hands over the battle. And every moment that your hands are lifted, there's a winning going on in the spiritual and the physical realm. But when you become wearisome of worship and encountering God and singing your songs, the enemy begins to win. God doesn't mind. The enemy doesn't mind you going to church. He just doesn't want you to be effective. So we're going to worship in a minute. And I believe some wells are going to be unblocked. Amen. And then I believe God wants to open windows of heaven and let the rain of heaven fall again. Do you know that there's a there's, there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this season? I've got to be honest with you. I'm living most of my life drunk in the Holy Spirit again at the moment. I can't fear. Anybody lived through 1994, 95, 96 when we were all a bit sozzled? Anybody remember that? And you go, oh, I don't know if I you know, don't if I believe in all that, that's okay. You can have a theoretical God if you want. But mine leaves me thunderstruck like in Wesley's day. At times, not all the time. Overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, Daniel 10.10. He's on his hands and knees. He can hardly breathe as he encounters God. I mean, if this thing is real, it can't just stay in the the imagination zone of our hearts. His Holy Spirit pours out upon us. A powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this room. And there's a wonderful scripture, and I just I managed to flick these things together during the worship. Listen to this. Hosea 6 says this. Let us verse 3, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to experience him. Listen to this. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. I remember being interviewed for a magazine article and I'd I'd used this line and they ended it. You know, what you don't always realize with the media is that they're gonna take some random phrase you said and make it the headline. Even though it's not fully really what you meant. But I, I said this phrase, I believe in revival, but not that God is gonna fall out the sky. Well, the thing is, the same month that the magazine actually then came out in our church, God fell out the sky. He came like the rain. We were in a, a season of, of 40 days of, of prayer and fasting and pushing into God as a church. And all I can say is it began to rain heaven. Do you know what people say? And it's a, a decent leadership technique thing, I know. But I kind of disagree with it spiritually. They say, if you keep doing the same thing, you'll only ever get the same results. I, say, I, I understand what they mean. And there's moments where that's applicable. But go ask a farmer about how the climate can affect their crops. Listen, we're so used to working in droughts, aren't we? We're so used to working in a drought land where, you know, you have to kind of wrestle for every little thing. But what if it would start to rain in our nation once again? What if the atmosphere did mean that in, in your church, the children started seeing miracles, healing signs and wonders in Sunday school? Not because we got fancy, but because the climate began to change. The atmosphere began to change and all you had to say was Jesus and point at someone and a miracle would take place. What if the atmosphere could change? In the Welsh revival, there were, there were miners that were in the Welsh revival. They'd been in mining explosions. When the Welsh revival happened, they started They said things like this. It is as though there's divine debris in the air. The atmosphere was thick with who God is. I believe in this place, the atmosphere is going to get thick with who God is. And it's not that you needed to pray fancier or pray longer. You are going to find that when God is in the room and the climate changes, that he comes like the rain, then our land begins to yield forth a harvest so much more easily because God changed the climate. How do we get there? It says, press on to experience him. Push for open windows. Heaven's opened. and God began to move so much more powerfully because of the Holy Spirit. Open wells and open windows. I don't know if that's meant anything to anybody here today, but I want us to worship and, um, and sing for a moment. Maybe not even a proper structured song because we're all leaders. We can do this, can't we? We just know what it is to go for it. And I just believe he's going to unblock some things. And there's a confidence and a faith and a dignity and an intimacy that can be released as we do that. And then when we've done that for a few moments, I want us to go into a, a, a moment of saying, God, would you open the windows again? We know that strictly speaking, legally, the windows of heaven were opened by the death of Jesus on the cross, and he's poured out his Holy Spirit. But God, we want the atmosphere in this place, and I mean Halifax and surrounding area. God, we want there to be an open heaven over us. Specifically, we want it to rain in this church. We want it to rain in that church. We want it to rain in that church. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to know more about the Revive Network, please visit www.revivechurch.co.uk